0: Amen. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Murray. If you uh, have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Philippians chapter 1? Working through this uh, letter that Paul wrote from a prison cell, and it was one of four that he wrote, Philippians and Ephesians and Philemon and Colossians, and he wrote um, to a church that was probably his favorite church. And they had supported him. It's been 10 years since he's seen them. But he is writing to thank them for sending him money and being gracious to him and also sending somebody to help him in prison. And so we want to kind of work our way through Philippians and bring it down to what he shared with them and what he can share with us today. Um, If you, they know hardly anybody in the congregation could read, a few people could read So often they would send letters to the church and they'd bring the church together as a congregation and when they would read the letter in front of the congregation because very few people had, had any kind of other correspondence in that. So it was a very special time that the church gathered together to hear what Paul had to say because they wanted to know about his situation. And today we're looking about how you can bring uh, good things from adverse circumstances and that's a promise that we have from God and I appreciate that promise because all of us will face adversity in one form or another. It will come you cannot live this life without facing some kind of hardship that you didn't expect. maybe something you expected and it didn't happen and you wanted it to happen and some kind of hardship comes our way and As Christians, we face them differently from the way the world faces them. So if you are in Philippians, but before we look at Philippians, let me recognize some situations. I think it's a good thing to recognize situations. Um, John and Judy Friday are celebrating 55 years of being together as man and wife. Isn't that a good thing? Amen. And I'm so glad to see uh, Jerry and Rosemary Gomes that are here, and thank God for them. Uh, He has helped me find some churches that I didn't know even existed. And uh, we were Presbyterian pastors for a while, weren't we, Jerry? And I appreciate that very much. He's about to be 91 years old. So if a man gets 91, he's old. Amen? Do you believe he's old? (laughs) But he's got a great heart, and I appreciate him very much. Also, we pray for John Moore and Debbie Moore and their daughter Ashley, and the situation that they're facing. And also, um, Gloria and Paul Hull. We remember them in our prayers. Now, if you would, would you stand as I read for us from uh, Philippians chapter one, and we we'll begin at verse twelve. But I would you to understand, brethren, and it also includes sisters, I understand, uh, I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather for the advancement of the gospel so that my chains in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, becoming confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and we still have those in the church today, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ out of contention, not sincerely opposing to add a, uh, supposing to add affliction to my bonds but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. So what am I to do then, said Paul, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I do rejoice, and I will rejoice. May God bless the reading of his word, and you may be seated. I read about a man who... Uh, Was a bus driver in New York and uh, he was driving his bus, but he couldn't read or write And so they put out a policy that you must read and write for all city employees And so the man was fired when he was fired He opened up a bakery and he did well in the bakery in fact He opened up another bakery and he opened up another bakery And he took all his money to the bank and when he took all his money to the bank The banker, he asked the banker to fill out his deposit slip. When he asked the banker to fill out his deposit slip, he said, "Uh, think about this. Think about where you could be if you could read or write. And he said, I'd still be driving a bus, amen. (laughs) So he had turned his adversity into something that was positive. And there are a lot of good stories about people who have done that and done that through the ages. But for the Christian, there's a different kind of thing when we face adversity. When we face adversity, is God teaching us things that He wants us to learn that you cannot learn otherwise? And also, when we face adversity, when you share the gospel, sooner or later, it's going to run into opposition in one form or another. But out of that sharing of adversity sometimes gets the greatest witness that you and I have ever given. And I've seen people go through some hard times that seem so difficult, and you wonder where in the world God is in this moment, and yet they have felt closer to God than they've ever felt in their life. And there's a witness that comes out of that adversity that we would not have anywhere else. And Christ shines through some hard time. And I've seen people shine Christ in the middle of things that you thought were just so difficult. So Paul wants them to know about what's happening to him. In the first couple of chapters, uh, first verses here in the first chapter, he tells them that one thing that you're in my mind, and I have good memories of you, and Paul was on his way to Ephesus on his second missionary journey, and he just knew that that was where God wanted him to be, but God blocked him in going there, and God blocked him going to Bithynia. God blocked him in going to Macedonia, My- and he, he didn't end up in Ephesus, but God had a place for him to go, and the place for him to go was in Philippi. And he came to Philippi in the difficult circumstances and started that church when he left and he remembers that and he said I'm glad I remember that I'm glad I listened to what you had for me to do rather than what I wanted to do and I almost told you no but I'm glad I didn't say no I'm glad I said yes in that place in Troas and sometimes God blocks us this way blocks us that way and yet he has a plan and purpose for our life so he says you're in my head you're in my heart I got feelings for you and the feelings that I have for you are very deep because you've been there for me and you've done things for me. And I remember the church, The church, Paul says, I remember how you were always, you sent me money and helped me out and helped me out in those kind of difficult situations. So he says, not only is are you in my head, but you're in my heart. And there are just these feelings that you have that when Christians are together and those kind of feelings do have been there for each other. And if, if some, somebody has come along in your situation, in my situation, and have been there for us, and you never lose those kind of feelings. And so he says, I have feelings for you. But he also says that I pray for you. And you're in my heart, and I pray for you. I pray for you that God will help you to grow to be that kind of person that God created you to be. And He keeps praying for them. They're not He's not through with you yet. He's not through with me yet. He still's got plans for me. He's still got plans for all of us to grow in this world until one of these days the chapter is closed. He takes us out of this world and goes to a place that he's prepared for us. Until that time, he keeps growing us to be more Christ-like. And he wants you to be more Christ-like. So, Paul begins with kind of where I want us to begin is where he begins to pray for them. So, if you have your Bibles, or if you would, would you stand? Well, no, I've already stood you, hadn't I? I'm, I'm getting old. You want to stand again, or you want to just sit where you are? Just sit where you are, okay? That's good enough. Well, he wants them, uh, if you have your Bibles, look and his prayer for them, which I think is a beautiful prayer. Um my son is, is in, Tampa. One of my sons in Tampa. One of my sons is in Tampa. One of my sons is in Birmingham. One of my sons is in uh, Madison, Mississippi. And our distance is between us. But I still pray for him. Every morning I pray for him. Even though they're a distance away and even though they have left home and never sent any money back I don't think they sent any money back so if you're waiting for money to come back you just keep waiting but I pray for them and the power of intercessory prayer and I'm praying for my grandchildren because they're going to face a world that I didn't have to face it's a different kind of world um, they sent us to the detention hall not that I ever went <laughs> for chewing gum now they send them for carrying guns in the school a different world so they're going to need the strength of God as uh, stronger maybe than even for me what I faced face. and the temptations in this world are so strong And I pray for them. And Paul prays for these at a distance from him. And uh, they're very special to him. That's why he prays for him. And look at verse 9 if you have your Bible. And this I pray that your love will grow stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. The word there is agape, it's, a, it's God's love. That it may stronger and stronger and you will have uh, structure to that. It will be f- uh, given knowledge, the word there, knowledge, for is epigenosis, which is full knowledge from God's word. And out of that will come some insights in life that you would miss otherwise and they would pass you by. And so he prays that their love will grow stronger. God. He also prays for them in verse 10 that they may approve the things that are the right kind of things to approve. And not everything matters. Some things are more, matter more than others. And if I spend my life in things that don't matter, then I will miss the things that matter. And so he approves. He wants you to approve the right kind of things. And when you come to those crossroads in your life in those places where you could turn this way or that way. May you approve the right kind of things that are there. And any praise that they will exhibit the fruits of righteousness. The fruits of righteousness. That that will be in your life and in my life. Those fruits of righteousness help us to know the right thing to do at the right time to do it fruits of righteousness to the praise and glory of God now one of my uh, favorite places is Orville Alabama any of you ever been to Orville oh, if you would, if you raise your hand any of you ever been to Five Points and that's yeah I think Five Points is kind of special to me first dove shoot I went, to, went on was in Five Points, and Mr. Carl Henderson invited us to come and shoot doves on his, in his cornfield. And Mr. Henderson is one of the finest Christians I ever met. I think his grandson, his great-grandson, is probably playing for Baltimore. But um, Carl Henderson, he lost his land, but he never lost his salvation. But also, there, Dr. Moore, any of you remember, Dr. Moore was the country doctor in Oval, Alabama. And Dr. Moore took me turkey hunting, the first turkey I ever killed. He said, he's coming right there, and you just shoot him. And wow, I thought this was great. He'd go out and hoot like an owl, and I was set up, and then we would shoot our turkey. But if you remember, there are a bunch of stores in Oval, and one of those stores, there's a, Story Now, I don't know whether it's real or imaginary or fictitious, but it sounds good to me. So anyway, they there was this guy from the north that had bought some land and uh, bought a plantation and was going to raise uh, cotton. So he came to this certain merchant, and, and I won't tell you his name, but he came to this certain merchant there in Orville, Alabama, and he said, what do I need? And he said, you need some mules. That's what you need. You need a lot of mules, and you need to plow all that land out there and so he said, "Okay, can you buy me some mules?" He said, "Yeah, I have a truckload of mules out there." And what he said were um uh, what he's trying to sell him is watermelons, but he sold them as mule legs. These are mule legs and you will grow with those mule legs uh, out there. And so he says, is that right." I said, "Yeah, I'll, and listen, I'll give you half price on those mule legs out there that truck full of Watermelon. So uh, when he made the sale, he made the sale. When he made the sale, uh, he, he gave it this scripture headline. He was a stranger and I took him in. <laughs> now that's not fruits of righteousness, amen? But what would be the fruits of righteousness? The fruits of righteousness would be for him to go to that man and say, I'm sorry. I did the wrong thing. Would you forgive me? Here's your check. Please forgive me. I treated you wrong. That's fruits of righteousness. But it's so hard for us to move from knowing that we were wrong to going somebody and asking them for forgiveness when you have done wrong. We just let things go by. That's not fruits of righteousness. Fruits of righteousness goes to that person and says, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I was wrong. And God can take those moments, and out of those moments, something of Christ shines in those moments that would be missed if we never went to somebody that we owe a forgiveness, and we never went to. Now I'll just pause for just a moment. And I want you to bow your head. And I want you to think about fruits of righteousness. And if there's somebody there in your heart and ask God to just show that to you maybe right now. God, is there somebody that I need to go and ask for forgiveness. And if he put somebody on your heart, would you also pray, God, give me the strength to do that? For to go ask somebody for forgiveness is for the praise and glory of our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, I'm not through my sermon yet, so keep hanging in there with me. Uh, Paul wants them to know why he's in prison. Because, again, if, if our music director, Frank, was in prison... We'd want to know why Frank was in prison. You know, if he's selling moonshine on the side or whatever he's doing, Frank wouldn't do that. But anyway, so Paul's in prison, and he wants them to know why he's in prison. And he says, this, "They might get the wrong message." Um, there was a man one time that he and his wife were having to struggle with each other, and having to struggle with each other. Um, they came to the preacher and. And one was complaining about this, another was complaining about that. So in the middle of that, the preacher got up and went over and planted a big kiss on his wife. Just one of those big, big kisses like you see on Hallmark or wherever it is you might, or the Golden Bachelor or wherever it is that you watch. And so he came back and he sat down and he looked at him and he said, now that's what she needs every day. And he says, I'm so sorry about that. I can only bring her here on Thursday. Now, (laughs) he got the wrong message, amen? Sometimes we see things and we get the wrong message and we get to our own kind of self kind of idea of what's happening and we need somebody to help us straighten those kind of things out. So Paul is straightening those things out. Um, I want you to understand, brother, in verse 12, how even in prison things have grown, the gospel has grown, my being in prison. Now, if we would tie Murray's hands behind his back, he couldn't do what he just destined to do. His destiny is to play the piano. If you put Paul in prison, it's like tying his hands behind his back. He's a goer and a doer, and prison is not his place that he likes to be. But God had him there. And God's still in control. And he was in prison for preaching the gospel. At first, when he got there to uh, Rome, uh, they put him in house arrest. But Nero is the emperor. Nero was a man who was crazy at the core. And he blamed Christians for all the things that were happening for, in Rome. Sometimes he would take Christians and douse them and, pitch and tar and put him up on poles and set him on fire so that he could drive through his gardens that was the emperor that Paul was dealing with and he was a political prisoner so as a political prisoner they put him in chains and he talks about that I'm in chains but for the chains that happened there was a guard and two guards that came to him every day and he says in verse 13, if you have your Bible, "So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in the palace." That's the King James version. But the, my change is he was chained to these two guys who were kind of uh, Praetorian guards, which was the sharpest guard in the Roman army. It's like army rangers or Navy seal. And these guys were the first ones that would go out in the battle when the Romans were battling. And when missionaries came to England, the people there knew Christ and knew were Christians. And the reason it did, because when the Praetorian Guard was there, they would share Christ. And as Paul was chained to these two soldiers, he didn't talk to them about the weather He talked to them about their relationship to Jesus Christ. And instead of him going out, God brought the praetorian guard to him. And he shared with them about Christ. And not only was it going to the praetorian guard, whose camp was right outside where Paul was in prison, but also right outside the palace of Rome there, where the emperor was. And not only was it going to the praetorian guard, it was going throughout the whole palace. And they were saying, there's this, Paul is in prison there, but he's sharing about Christ. And he still has this joy, which is so amazing that there's no, no explanations that. It must be something about the message that he shared. And God looks at us, and the message we have is verified by our character, and our character shares things with others, and it gives us the opportunity to tell them about where our character comes from, and the care and the character that can face the bonds that they face. When I was at uh, Judson, um, there was a girl that called me on Saturday morning if she could speak to me, and I said, "Sure." And so I met her in my office, and she was there with her boyfriend. The boyfriend was at MI. I encouraged the girls not to date MI guys, because most of them were there because they were not in jail. Most of them they had a choice of going to MI or going to jail, and they chose to go. They, or their parents just gave up on them and sent them to uh, MI and let MI straighten them out. But there was CB with her boyfriend, and his name was Andre and he was from France. And he was cool, he was really cool. It's something about Andre and his French accent that just, girls just melted. And he had been dating Sibian. So uh, she said, um, Dr. Henry, Andre would like to talk to you. And I said, okay. And this is what he said, i never forget those words I have seen her life and I've seen the Christ in her life and I would like to know the Jesus that she knew. Wow. I wonder if that could be said about us. Somebody would like to know through our lives The Jesus that we know. And how we exhibit that in our character and what we say says so much because our character backs up what we can say about the words that Jesus is all the world to me. And Paul said that some are preaching Christ out of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bond. Some people with bad motives and bad things are preaching the word. You can say, we can think about Tammy and Jimmy Baker, Tammy Faye and Jimmy, it, do you know who I'm talking about, Tammy and Jimmy Faye? Or isn't it Jimmy Faye and it, Tammy, Tammy Faye and Jimmy. Well, Jimmy Faye and Tammy Way, whoever they are. And they had the PTL program and it was all a kind of sham and pretense and all uh, that but even out of that some people were one to the lord out of even that pretense so the message is stronger than the messenger and their lives were changed even with the wrong kind of motive and so there were some that were just preaching to paul of envy and strife and they wanted to hurt Paul. That's what they did because they were saying, if he's in prison, then he must not be of the Lord's favor. And so they would listen to us. We have this message to share. Even out of that message, something happened in their life. Now, there are some people that just hit you the wrong way. And sometimes they're in church. And they hit us the wrong way. And they do things out of envy and strife. When I was at a smaller church, we had a deacon's meeting, and at the deacon's meeting, a man stood up and and, um, he said, uh, uh, Dr. Henry, you have not been visiting so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And And I had been to each one of those. And he talked to me before the, the meeting, and he could have said, you know, uh, let's get this straight between us. It wasn't there. He meant it for the purpose of bringing contention to that meeting. That's what he meant it for. I mean, he sold repossessed uh, tombstones, so you know he <laughs> lived a different kind of life. <laughs> How do you repossess somebody's tombstone? But he did, <laughs> and then sand them down and put somebody else's name on them. So anyway, he jumped on my case. And in the middle of that, he, uh, the rest of the deacons came to my defense. And I'll never forget that. What a tremendous thing that was. Um, when I had his funeral, I told him what a wild, crazy man he was. No, no I didn't do that. <laughs> he had some good gifts. He was a good singer. And he often led our singing. <clears throat> I struggled with that one, though. But anyway. <laughs> his purpose was to create contention and this could have been said long before and there are people that will hit you like that even in the church so Paul does this verse 18 notwithstanding gospel still going out even when those kind of people are in the church, even when they come after you and they can steal your joy. But it's what Paul said, what then notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is free. And this I rejoice and I almost like to add a double note to that. And yes, I will rejoice. I'm not going to let this person or these persons steal my joy in Christ. I'm going to hold on to that joy regardless of how much they may have hurt me. I'm going to encourage you also to do that because there will be people even in the church who will leave their sting and you can let them get to you or you can look at those who have given their life to the church and for all the right kind of motives. Now, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me one of a time to 1 Thessalonians? Paul not only preached in Philippi, but the next large city was 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And Paul, uh, right to this church at Thessalonica, he he runs off of these kind of commands. He's running uh, close to the end of his a message that he writes to uh, the church at Thessalonica and he runs rapid fire through commands to remember these commands in verse 18 in chapter 5 verse in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you in everything not for everything give thanks sometimes we can uh give our own translation of Bible verses. Sometimes we can take Bible verses to mean one thing when they mean something else. I mean, the most quoted uh, verse in the Bible is the Lord helps those who help themselves. And by the way, that is not in the Bible. The Lord helps those who can't help themselves with grace. Or another quote is, the Lord will not give you or let allow you to face something that you can't control. It won't be too hard for you. That's not in there, too. It says, temptations that come our way, he will help us in temptations. But there's, I see people all the time, Christian people, with heavy loads that are carrying, that only the Lord could help them That they can't get out of those themselves, and only you need God to help them face those kind of things. There was a couple that I went to, uh, or a um, new widow that I went to. And her husband had just been killed by a robber at their filling station, or that's an old term, at their service station. And he had gone to check his station out one day and on a Sunday morning before he went back to church. And there was a guy who robbed his service station and cut his throat and left him there to bleed to death. And his wife struggled, as anyone would know. She's now a widow with three children. And there were some good Christians who came to her and said, you ought to thank God for that, using this verse. Thank God for what has happened so that God can bless that. And she looked at me with tears in her eyes and she said, Dr. Henry, I can't thank God for that. And I told her, I said, this is not, you don't thank God for that. This is what that verse means. In everything, look for God in the middle of that moment. It's not that you close your eyes to what reality is, what happens. You opened your eyes to what God, there's no such thing as a God-forsaken situation. And God is there with you. It doesn't mean to thank God for the situation. It means to thank God what he can do with this situation. And somehow he can bring good out of this situation. And that's what we hold on to everything in life. Because not everything in life is a good thing to happen to us. But it's a God who can take the worst things that can happen to us. Whatever they are. And somehow with his help. He can help us to get through them. And also he can help us to take that situation and somehow bring something good out of that and we hold on to that. And we get to name our situation like Adam named the animals. He said, you name the animals, now you name your situation. It's a hard situation and I'm not happy with this. But I know that you're here with me and somehow with you being with me, something can good out or come out of this. I don't know what it is and I don't know where it's going. but I know that God is in the middle of this situation with me and he can help me to face the hurt and the, the pain that I face and the down deep in those valleys that somehow there's a presence with me that is amazing. Now I want you to turn with me. If, If you have your hymnal, so turn with me to hymn number 28. Now, there are very few places you can go where they open a hymnal, but I'm glad for this church doing that. Hymn number 28, it's um, written by, uh, if you look at the bottom of the page, you see that Fanny Crosby wrote these words. She wrote, some 8,000 hymns, and we've talked about her before, how the doctor made the wrong kind of application to her eyes when she was a little girl and she was blind for the rest of her life. She asked God to take away her blindness, but God never didn't take away her blindness. In fact, he gave her a message, that I will give you strength to go through that. But she had an insight that was so special that even came out of her blindness. And she wrote some 8,000 hymns about God and her relationship to God. And this is probably considered one of her best. And this is what she said, to God be the glory. Great things he has done. So love to the world that he gave us his son. He yielded his life in atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord praise the Lord in her blindness she had insight that was amazing and she blessed this world out of her blindness and generations after her still sing their songs sing their songs about blessing and how God can take even blindness and bring insight and sight out of those out of those blind situations and to that is what you and I hold on to Amen. Now, would you bow your heads for just a moment? We're going to sing that as an an invitation, so keep your hymnals right there, okay? Now, just for a minute, just wherever you are whatever's happening, would you pray for somebody who needs your prayers? They may be at a distance, but would you pray for them? Our world's in chaos and a lot of things that are happening and we wonder where they're going but God is still in control maybe you have children or grandchildren distant from you and you need to pray for them so would you pray for them An accessory prayer is an amazing kind of thing also you know of somebody who is just in a hurting situation and if they're going to make it out it needs God's help. Maybe you've lost a loved one and the sting of that grief is still real. And yet there's a God there with you even in the shadow of death that promises to be your strength and you can make it with his help. Maybe you're here today and you need to make that decision about Christ. Maybe you've never made that decision. And it takes courage to step down and step out, but it's what he's placed on your heart. And today could be your day to make that decision. Father, you hear our prayers. As a congregation, we come to you and ask you to be very close to us. And we know that you come by you're here, but you come by you come by invitation. That invitation not only is the outside of our heart, but down in the deep core of our being in our heart situation. Be very close to us. In Jesus' name I pray.